This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 171 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm your host Ben and I'm joined as always by Gaz. How you doing? I am doing very well, thank you. It's good to be back. I mean, we've done plenty over the summer, but we haven't done this sitting down after a, a day's work and figuring out a podcast in 25 seconds to uh, to deliver. No, it's, uh, I was going to say it's been a bit of a, a bit of a, a break for for me and you because I know you did. A, I think you did the, the special with Jake when uh, when Mark Kennedy signed, and then there's obviously a couple of other ones like the live specials that we've done with uh, with the players and bits like that. So. Um, yeah, it's been, I think, probably over a month, I think, since we've had a, a sit-down podcast Easily. like we normally do. Easily more than Yeah, month. getting on for two, Kennedy's I think. been here more than a month. Yeah. Yeah, a month and a half. So we were going to have Jake on tonight, um, but he, he was trying to postpone, wasn't he? He was trying to get out of um, us recording tonight because he was so desperate to be on, bless him. Uh, but we, and then it turned out that he couldn't actually record and he was just looking for, scrabbling for excuses. So, but you <laughs> yeah. will hear from Jake if you're a Jake fan. So Jake's dad or his hairdresser, I think that's it. Um, but if you're a Jake <laughs> fan, there will be more from Jake through the through the year. Absolutely. So, and of course, I, I keep seeing I keep seeing you and Jake popping up all over the place. You telling Charlton that Colin McGrandall's had a nasty streak when I've never seen him involved in a in a proper brawl. I, I um, didn't say he had a nasty streak. I said he sticks up for his. Uh, I say he sticks up for his teammates. There's a difference. I'm not sure that's what it says. Well, that's I'm what sure I put in the message says. to him. If and, uh, uh, bastards didn't tag me in it, did they? So I've not seen it. No, no, no two people. I, I got tagged in everything. It's like we've spoken to Stacey West blog. And I'm like, have you? And then I go on to it. It's like, oh, you say that? <laughs> Sounds moronic. Oh, it's Ben. Okay. Uh, and then there was another one came through and it was Jake. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe I'll start using my personal thing a little bit more. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, it's been uh, been a, a busy one. Um, obviously, we'll start by sort of dissecting last Monday night, which was a, a very uh, bit of a whirlwind evening, wasn't it? I think it it sort of came together 
a little bit late, but uh, it, it came off without too many hitches, I think. A very successful evening um, with Mark Kennedy, Jez and Liam. Um, we sort of sat down and they, you know, Mark and Jez had a presentation, um, which we weren't uh, privy to sort of distribute as a podcast, so we didn't get that recorded. Um, but then we sat down, had a, a good old chat with Mark and uh, a Q&A afterwards with the, the people that attended. Um I thought it was an excellent evening, and I know that's sort of a little bit biased, but uh, I was I was really impressed with how open Mark uh, Mark Kennedy is with everything, and you know how uh, how affable he is. Really, he's a, a really nice bloke, and uh, yeah, I think it was a a good insight um, into some of the things that he's gone through before um, and what he's got coming up for you know for the imps. I mean, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Um- yeah, it was a good night. It was a good night. Obviously, I, I ought to um, just say thank you to whoever nominated me for my award uh, at the beginning of the night, which kind of took me by surprise a little bit. Um, so I've got the Red Imps Community Trust Fan of the Year, which is um, ironic for somebody who spends most of his time on the podcast saying no fan's better than, than another, um, which I still believe. But thank you very much for that. Uh, uh, it was yeah, it was quite a moment, and then obviously the the rest of the night, as you say, there was the jazz and um, jazz and Mark presentation, which was really good. They went into some depth, uh, which you know, you couldn't show every fan that because I think some of the stuff that came out, you know, those who that want to seize on the, the negatives mm. would would seize on one or two things. Uh, but in the main, that was in that was entertaining. Then obviously we got to speak to Mark. Yeah, like, I didn't expect anything different. I didn't expect him to be an arsehole. Um, well, I didn't no. expect us to have a, a head coach that we couldn't talk to. Uh, I expected, like Michael and like Danny Cowley, to have somebody that was open. I mean, I thought Mark was very clever at the beginning when he, he kind of came up to us and he said, you know, I like doing this because, you know, you, I know you two are not going to trip me up. And I think if you remember, I commented and said, you haven't listened to the podcast. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> that was so, it. When he, he sort of said something about, oh, I know you two are well-spoken. I thought, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> yeah, that threw me for the night as well. I was like, oh, bollocks. Um, but yeah, we had we had a bit of fun. We had a bit of a laugh with him. Um, he's clearly got some quite uh, focused ideas. He clearly fits with the club. I do think that he is. Um, I'm not going to say less in control, but I feel that he's more part of the overall machine. Whereas I think with Michael and certainly Danny, they were number one, and and the structure that they spoke about that that was kind of all over and and around the job was was something they spoke about, but would override or felt they could override if they needed to. And I mm. felt with Mark, he was very much a player in a in a bigger picture. Now, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I think depends. I spoke to Pete, and um, as, as as you know, Pete kind of is is a is always a glass half empty man, and he said, you know, it does feel a little bit like he's. Um, like he's Jez's man and I can understand how it came across like that I don't think that's the case I think there's more of a willingness to work within the structure mm. um, anybody that saw the transfer the recruitment part of it as well will understand that you know, it isn't just the people behind the scenes making the transfer decisions they set they, it's almost like a serve in tennis they throw the ball up in the air it's up to Mark Kennedy to then kind of the strike the ace so to speak that's quite a good analogy and a quick one too so uh, yeah i think we got a flavor of that yeah i mean um obviously you know like i said we, we didn't uh we weren't able to to get the uh, the presentation recorded but i think that some of the stuff that came out of it um mark kind of 
referenced a little bit while we were talking to him. Um, and I think the the thing for me that that really stood out um, was when they were talking about, like you say, identifying targets and and all the rest of it. And it, it like you said, it isn't just that. Okay, well, you know, Jez is going to sit there with with the people and with the database, and you know, going through stuff like they do on Football Manager and finding stuff, and then giving Mark a list and saying, "These are the players. Who do you want?" Um, there is, or you know, there is input from you know from the manager, from the head coach, um, in pretty much every step of the process. And then it's like, you know, I think the key the key phrase from it was, you know, we will we will never sign a player without having any input from the manager at all. You know, the manager always has the final say. Which, I mean, given some of the things that, you know, some of the opinions that fly about, you'd, you'd certainly believe that that's the case. You know, that's not the case where, you know, people are um, thinking that, you know, like you say, Jez and Liam are, are making all the decisions and that's it's not how it is. Um, but, I mean, like I said, that bit was really interesting. But overall, I think, um, you know, I, I, I didn't expect Mark to be, you know, like I say, didn't expect him to be an arsehole, but I was, I was genuinely quite... Um, quite surprised at just how open he was to to everything and some of the answers that he gave. Um, you know, particularly on uh, on the stuff around like you know uh, spending the time with his family and and that's his priority, that's his focus, and how he treats um, you know the, the players like his kids, that kind of thing. I thought that was a, a really nice touch. Um, you know, to sort of say, look, well. I, I he seems very in touch with himself and very in touch with like what's needed from <laughs> don't look at me like that you know what i mean uh, he seems very in touch with uh you know the emotional side of of connecting with players and, and that sort of stuff which i thought was uh, quite interesting to to learn um yeah i actually i actually thought to a degree he was more closed um than okay. one or two in the past as well um it, it was I, no i'm not saying that you're wrong i get what you're saying I, he didn't want to talk about anybody who he had been influenced by not really did mm. he i mean he spoke about Mick mccarthy but we, i kind of served up an opportunity not for him to name drop i dropped the names i served that opportunity up and he's very reticent to talk about who's influenced him i mean he was talking about somebody that was on his um, coaching course at the same time who had mm. then gone on to win trophies as a coach or a manager or whatever but he didn't name them and i feel that he's he's that humble i, I think that that to a degree, doesn't want to come out and play Billy Big Bollocks. But, you know, I didn't feel that's what... Because you obviously were comparing him to Michael in terms of how we've met because it was it was the same sort of event. So that was very... You know, Michael was happy to talk about Alex Ferguson and Eric Cantona and Paul Scholes and people like that, but he didn't drop the names in the big way. I just mm. think it's, you know, it's personalities. Like if somebody were to interview you and I about the same thing, we'd give different answers Um or different kind of views so mm. the proofs in the pudding look, he was always going to be chatty he was always going to want to say some things and not talk about other things it was always always going to be the case um so you know it's all really down to results the fact is he didn't come across as a complete amateur and i think when he was announced some people thought mm. who the hell is this yeah 100%. very very clear what i felt one thing i did I was gonna say, yeah, I think that the, no, the biggest thing for me was like the um, uh, when when we sort of pushed him a little bit on the the decision to take the step back from you know being in the first team um, at Ipswich and kind of you know learning from that and particularly his time at Macclesfield. I know a lot of people when he signed, you know, people were saying, oh, why have we got a manager who took Macclesfield down and and all of that? But looking back on everything that happened um, and the way that he 
he talks about that. He saw it as a challenge that he was actually delighted to get behind and, you know, take on um, head first, which for me, that's, that's the kind of thing you want to be hearing from somebody, not just like, Oh, I absolutely hated it. You know I mean? He may have found it difficult and he may have hated elements of it, but the fact that he relished the challenge uh, for me was a, a big positive. Yeah, um, you know, again, I didn't expect to hear anything else, but he he was quite candid when he spoke about it. I mean, he was never going to say, I wish I hadn't done it. And mm. again, you go back to Michael and he was kind of, he said with, if you remember when Michael changed from Blackpool to Blackburn and that sort of thing, um, mm. you know, he was saying about, I took this from it and I learned that from it, which I, which I thought was, was quite interesting. So yeah, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was worth doing. It was nice. It was good to have him there. Like you say, he was approachable. He stayed and had some pictures taken and that sort of thing. Um, I just think, you know, bring on, bring on the results. I did like the way he owned presentation and people won't have seen this. And I might have mentioned mm. it in a dog walk video. When we did the presentation, what struck me first, Jez conducted the presentation. It's very much Jez's and he, he was then saying, Mark, what are your thoughts? And Mark would, he was sat on the on the stool as if it was like a bar stool, wasn't he? And he, mm. he kind of, you know, he'd say a couple of th things and, 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 and that was it. And then when he said, right, now Mark's going to do a presentation on playing patterns. And he got up and he changed like that. Mm. And he was, Jake, play this bit, stop there, rewind this, do that. And it was very, very authoritative. Yeah. And I felt that we were getting the media-friendly Mark Kennedy and I feel that there was – we said about you wouldn't want to cross Michael Appleton yeah. because you could just tell in his stare and the way he looked. With Mark, the bit you wouldn't want to cross is much more hidden. Mm. There's a much more furry kind of – I'm not going to say cuddly, but there's, there's kind of an exterior there that yeah. is more, dare I say, more media-friendly, more um, – I think you said affable at the top of the, the – you know, I think people will find it easier to connect with Mark Kennedy. I don't mm. think he's any less of a bite underneath than Michael had. Mm. But I think he just, you know, I, I see Mark Kennedy as very much like an iceberg. You can see 20%, but there's quite a lot there that only the players will see. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. particularly the, there was a section where he was talking about, um, you know, how he likes to build up uh, the, the play and, and sort of the, he had like a, a kind of an overhead view, kind of like a football manager match, essentially, where you're watching the ball get played between two or three players at the back and the way that the, the opposition uh, shift in their shape. And it was stuff like that, that, you know, I, I probably wouldn't give two thoughts to, but having looked at it and having seen like, you know, okay, right. That's why they're doing that. That's why they're, you know, passing it between the right back and the, you know, the center back for a couple of times, you know, it's to, to draw the players out of position. And I mean, that's, I suppose that's why I'm not a coach, but um, it was, it was just a very, uh, very interesting thing to see. And then of course, that's where you, you start to see the benefit of the, the whole play out from the back and, and not getting it forward all the time, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it is a bit of a shame that we couldn't uh, we couldn't broadcast that, but um, it, it definitely gave more insight into uh, into his mind and his, his tactics and things like that. So I'm uh, uh, very pleased that we we got to attend, and um, I think probably just to to wrap up on the um, on the interview um, and on the night, I think it was uh, it, it was a, a bit of a well it was a, a massive privilege to be able to do it, um, you know, and I think. Uh, 
having having that opportunity i uh, just want to say thanks again to um to luke and jake at the club and everyone at the media center uh, in the media team uh for giving us the opportunity and hopefully the people that came along thoroughly enjoyed it and thanks to me for organizing it as well i think jay uh, ben do you think do you think well, you've forgotten somebody there well yeah. who was it that was putting all the questions together on the day and working out the running order with jake whilst we whilst he was trying to do his full-time job as well I mean, it's I, I put some questions together. You did, and one of them I vetoed, <laughs> and you still asked it. Yeah, because we we still had like we said we'd do forty minutes, but, but, and we were at about thirty five. You had no idea how long we'd done. <laughs> you had I no did. idea. You I did because at the end I said, "How long have we done? Did we run over?" And you just looked at me blankly. Like I said, a, "No, we've not run over." But then you like, made a quick like the about Jess. just run out in your controller, and you hadn't got. No, that's rubbish. You looked at me blankly, <laughs> like someone had taken your PlayStation Five and replaced it with a Super Nintendo. You just had that kind of. Uh, what's this? Look on your face. <laughs> anyway, if you say so, guys. But no, thank um, you to the club. Thank you to Mark. Thank you to Ben for sourcing a PA. You see, I don't forget who to thank and who not to thank. <laughs> and uh, no. yeah, uh, thank you to Do yeah. Just on. on on that actually, very quickly, um, I did say I'd, I'd mention uh, where we where we got the PA from. Uh, thanks to Lincoln Sound guys for for the lend of the PA. It was very much appreciated. Um, so yeah, there yeah, you go. It was. Uh, so next topic on the list, we've had a few people coming into the club. Um, nope, that's not the next topic. It we is on we the list. The, yeah, we said we were going to insert the Gainsborough game here, Ben. Didn't we? Oh shit, we did, didn't we? It's Jeez. not on the list, and it's look if it's not written down. I'm not we spoke do about it. it seventeen minutes ago. Seventeen minutes ago, we said we were going to talk about it. Oh my lord! Okay, Gainsborough game. Yeah, <laughs> if everyone could see Gaz right now, he has his hands firmly pressed into his eyes. Like he's trying to sing a Slipknot song. Um, so, Gainsborough game. Um, obviously, you know, not too much to read into preseason friendlies, but uh, we came away 4-0 winners, four different goal scorers, which was uh, a nice thing to see. Um, and essentially, two different first 11s in each half, wasn't it, Gaz? It was uh, positive, I think. It was. I think there was a couple of takeaways from it. Um, and I did a, a dog walk video this morning, which I've since made Patreon only. So if you missed it, we'll, we'll touch on those. I think Sean Rowan starting left back was telling. Mm-hmm. First of all, we couldn't, if we were going to field two 11s, we didn't have anyone else to play at left back because obviously Cohen Bramwell's gone. But um, you know, I thought then the club put in something out this morning from Sean Rowan to put some comments out about how he's come back and he wants to stake a claim and all that sort of thing. And Jez actually mentioned, didn't he? I don't know whether it was on the podcast or in the Q&A or on the presentation. He said, you know, Sean Rowan's a player we want to bring on this season. So yeah. I think he's somebody that we're going to see a little more of. Um, and I, I, you know, it was good to see him get on the score sheet as well. So that was a positive. I think in the centre of the park, we still looked very light. I think we know that. But um, it was the absences there, I think, that stood out more, which I'll come to in a second. Mm-hmm. Charlie Kendall. Obviously, one game, one goal. You don't count that in the stats. Friendlies don't mean anything, especially not when it's against the team. Sort of four divisions below you uh, who Pele are fielding a whole, a whole load of trialists. You are, sorry? Pele would. Yeah, well, Pele might. And whoever said Matt Reed got to 50 and not 49 was counting Link's senior cup. But, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, again, the result means absolutely nothing uh, at all. 
unless you lose. Um, and, and, you know, that's not me being facetious. You know, we went to Boston last year and if we'd beaten Boston or we'd, nobody would have bothered, but we lost 5-0 and it was kind of like, ooh, that's not a good sign, is it? So go into mm. games, but it's a no-win no, it's a no -win situation. You win 4-0, everyone goes the result, but Matty, you lose 4-0 and people start panicking for the season. So um, I don't think we can glean much into who played in which half. Uh, I don't think that there's a preferred start in in 11 in there but I also do think that Max Sanders from what I've heard and what I've seen is another player I think we'll see more of this season than last season don't be surprised if Max doesn't do an interview with the club's OS um, that stands for official site for those who don't know um, mm -hmm. don't be surprised if he doesn't do an interview because I think I think Sanders and Rowan if I'm being brutally honest were part of the reason that Michael Appleton and the club parted company because okay. I think we are signing players. And bear in mind, Michael rubber-stamps a lot of these players. He really liked Sean Rowan at one point, but he rubber-stamped the Max Sanders. You know, the club bring players and he says yes or no, yes or no. Um, but I think the fact that we were letting young players come to the club, not develop and go again, and then seeing them have success, I think the club looked at Rowan and Sanders and thought we can't have that happen. Zach Elbazetti mm. is a classic example. Theo Archibald, I think, is a victim of circumstance, not mm. favoured by Michael. Interesting, Mark Kennedy. Do you remember? He said some players tried to leave me at Macclesfield and some players yeah. resigned. Theo Archibald was one of those. So the likes of me were going, oh, we played under Matteo Archibald and Mark Kennedy. They'll get on well. Whereas in actual fact, it can mean exactly the opposite. Um, mm. So they were the positives. And then obviously there was um, there was some notable absences. Joe Walsh suffering from, and here's a surprise, an injury, uh, a groin strain, <laughs> I believe. Scully yeah. pulled at last minute. I think that was injury related. We know Lewis Monsman was injured. And then Chris Maguire was in the 200 degrees coffee shop in Lincoln. <sighs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, given some of the, uh, some of the stuff that's been flowing around with regards to Mr. Maguire, um, I, I we'll start there. Um, I don't know how, how accurate some of the stuff that's been going around is, but um, apparently, you know, if he's been searching for options away from Lincoln um, and he feels that he wasn't appreciated last season. Um, yeah. I, I don't like, you know, I've said this before and you've said it as well. We, we don't like to use the podcast to sit here and badmouth players, but I mean, ultimately when you look at it, Chris Maguire put in one, one fantastic performance last season and everything else was probably about a six out of 10 or below. It's a shame. Like, you know, I think when somebody like Chris Maguire comes in, he, he's obviously got talent. He's obviously done it elsewhere. He's obviously played well um, elsewhere, but he, it seemed like the only way that he could perform was when he had to, to prove himself or when he had some, you know, a point to make, um, which, that was disappointing because you know if he'd have played a few more games like he did against you know against Sunderland away that it would have been a completely different season and ultimately when you square up to fans twice in a season um, after a game across the Ad Hordings you're not going to be in the best of books with them anyway um, so uh, yeah I, I mean it's I think it's fairly safe to say we've we've seen the last of Chris Maguire in a Lincoln City shirt um, and. I, I, I can't. I can't see it happening. I mean, I said exactly the same thing on my dog walk earlier, so I don't know why I'm questioning you. Um, 
I because it's me, Gas. No, well, yeah, you know, question everything. That's you know, what Andy Pearson says. Question everything, believe nothing. Um, <laughs> I. It's the Mario for the Assassin's Chris, Creed series. I don't think Chris McGuire was as bad as people make. No. I'm not I'm not going to believe Twitter rumor about him agitating for a move. If I see it from an official channel in a newspaper, I'll buy it. If I see it from just a general random tweet, I ain't buying that personally. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to kind of say these things are happening when when they're whether they are or not, we don't know. So I'm not buying that. I'm not buying he's been agitated for a movie. Might be, but um, I don't. I don't know. What I do know is exactly what you've just said. You can't square up to fans twice in a season. Once in a season, you may get away with his actual goals and and, and assists ratio isn't terrible. I mean, if you take out penalties and goals against Sunderland, it's not great either. But that's not the point. Um, undoubtedly talented footballer. But if you look back over his history, he has spells where he excels. And he has spells where he doesn't. Berry were very, very disappointed with Chris Maguire when they came down the year before Ryan Lowe, I think, then um, then took him back up. He was he was a, a big spend for them and somebody that that contributed to their relegation. So yeah, I think if things aren't going Chris Maguire's way, um he's not the sort of person that's gonna get you out of the out of the hole. So yeah, we might well see him again. I seem to think in this post match interview, Mark Kennedy just glossed over the fact that Chris Maguire wasn't involved. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. But it was another significant talking point from the first pre-season friendly of the season. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah, like... Uh, O'Connor starting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, you know, Powdy coming in. Um, it, it seems like, uh, it seems like we said, you know, it looks like a great, great signing. Um it did. Uh, the, I mean, obviously, we will come on to the other ones as well. But it it did seem to be a bit of a, a thing of Lincoln possibly raiding Bradford for their for their top rated players on in the first time, uh, first couple of signings that we made. But um, you know, when you sign some, when you sign someone that's essentially been player of the season at another club, you you immediately your eyes your ears prick up a little bit, and you immediately think, oh, we might have signed somebody great here. Um, it's it's not necessarily somebody that I I knew all about. Um, surprise, surprise! Um, but uh, you know, seeing um, seeing Powdy come in, um, yeah, looks like it's uh, you know, it's, it's a, a decent signing at centre half, um, and one of those where I think you said it in your your article when it uh, when it went live. You know, why have we signed another centre half when we already have X Y Z? But ultimately, we've signed a centre half that's played. 40 plus games consistently now which is a you know a rarity for Lincoln City centre-backs over the past couple of seasons isn't it so uh, yeah yeah I don't I don't think I question why we'd signed another centre-back in in a way that you know why have we signed another centre-back I know why we've signed another centre-back we need to sign one that's dominant in the air that plays 40 odd games a season and that's a threat in the other box as well Mark Mm. Kennedy said the ball's going in from corners and set pieces it's going into the box so if it's going into the box you need somebody to go on the end of it and I Mm -hmm. don't believe we had last among last season's players we have a threat even Lewis Monsmith you know he was very good from corners but a lot of the goals he scored from corners rather than being powerful headers were the ball's dropped to his feet or yeah. he's, he's snuck in Second at the back balls, post. So I think that's what we brought Powdy in for. We need a leader at the back. We didn't have that at times. Um, and you're good too. When you go 2-0 up at home, you shouldn't lose 3-2. If 
if you are an organised side, with the greatest respect. And, and we did that against MK Dons. You know, we fell apart. We didn't have any bravery. I think mm. at times players hid. Um, and I don't think that you're going to get Paddy O'Connor hiding. I do. I do know a bit about him. And um, just purely, I remember writing about that kind of that cohort of players coming through at Leeds United, and, and O'Connor was one who went out on loan. I think to Blackpool. I seem to remember maybe even got sent off there. Um, before he before he, uh, he moved on to Bradford City as well, so um, yeah, he's going to be aggressive. What we don't want is a is a liability at the back in terms of bookings and red cards. Uh, it's always like you say, it's always promising when you see players have got Player of the Year for their team the year before they join you. I seem to think that Simon Russell had got Player of the Year somewhere before he joined us in two thousand and eleven, um, which. You know, worked out badly. I think Alan Power might have had the same at Rushton and Diamonds the year before he moved to us. So, um, yeah, we've signed people's player of the season before. What they do for us is what's important. But I think Paddy O'Connor's a starting centre half all day long for Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that leads us a little bit on to the second signing um, of Charles Vernon, a, uh, you know, winger, which I think a couple of people suggesting we probably need a little bit more depth in that area. Um, after last season, um, you know Lincoln Shalad coming back to uh, to Lincoln. Uh, he's obviously played for Grimsby before, but uh, again, interesting signing. Um, it, it did raise a few eyebrows, and you know at least that I saw from people saying, "Oh, are we just raiding Bradford?" But ultimately, um, yeah, sounds like a, a nice, promising prospect. Particularly some of the. I mean, again, you know, you see it on all the time with players on uh, on YouTube and their agents putting highlight reels together, but some really impressive stuff. Yeah, again, I remember Vernon going out on loan from Grimsby. So I think this was when they were in League Two. We were in League One. He went out on loan to Chorley and he tore it up at Chorley. They called him back after about two games. <laughs> um, and he was uh, he was a player who, at that point, I kind of thought, well, you know, yeah somebody to keep an eye on. I think he's from Caister. I think he's his family from Caister, if I know correctly, born in Lincoln. I remember him the day we beat Bradford 5-1. He was the only player of theirs that I thought looked like he'd got anything about him who came off in this halfway through. And I think there was issues there with him and the manager and all sorts of stuff. Gone to Bradford and done really well. Um, you know, and when we signed Paddy O'Connor, I had to laugh because at that point, I think we all had an idea that we were signing Charles Vernon. It's certainly done done the rounds in terms of rumours and there was Bradford fans coming on to say, no, you can take O'Connor, just don't take Vernon. He's the, he's our kind of our star man. And, and then um, and then he signed. So again, it's like we say every summer, on paper, every player looks like a good sign. Mm-hmm. Lincoln City, you're not going to sign a player that you're going to go, well, he looks like a shit sign and you're always going to find <laughs> some positivity around it. Uh, you are, aren't you? It's true. Yeah. You know, last season we said Dan and Lundaloo looked like a great signing. Hakeem Adelican looked like a great signing. And with the greatest respect, they were both not great signings. Last Sorensen looked like an interesting signing, didn't really reach the heights. Yeah, if you went back over our podcast last season, we'd, we, I'd certainly be praising Hakeem Adelican and Dan and Lundaloo more so than I'm praising Charles Vernon and, and, and probably anyone else on the list. So the proof's really in the pudding. What I will say about Vernon is he's got experience at this level. I've been played for Burton. The local lad angle will make, I think, for it easier for him to be accepted by the supporters if things don't quite go right, because it will be, well, he's a local boy, you know, and he, he's very media friendly. He's already been down the Lincolnshire show. He's already told Luke Thornhill and the media team wants to get involved in as much as he possibly can. Yeah. Um, it's not easy for a player to come from Grimsby Town to Lincoln City. 
um, and and succeed. It isn't, you know, it happens, but it isn't easy. Uh, but I was in a garden centre on Father's Day. Uh, not with my dad; he was on holiday. Uh, I was with Fee, and there was a there was a guy and his son, you know, like sixty and forty or something, talking on the other table. And they were Grimsby fans, and you know, I interjected at one point. Point. Um, the, the, the waitress was actually going to walk away with their breakfast. Uh, they hadn't heard what her call out a number, and I saw their <laughs> number, and I saw the breakfast. And for a split second, I thought, you know, come bastards, make them go hungry. They said, I went, oh, excuse me, I think that's yours. And they turned around, and uh, I said, I said, oh, I couldn't let Grimsby fans starve. And they were like, are you, fat? are you a fan? I said, no, I'm a Lincoln fan. I support the best team in Lincolnshire. Um, and then the first thing <laughs> they said to me was, you've just signed Charles Vernon. He's a hell of a player. Now, for a Grimsby fan to say that, after he's left them when they've gone down and gone on, do you know what I mean? I thought mm. that was quite telling. So, um, yeah, hopefully he gets us off, off our seats. Uh, uh, on July the 30th. Absolutely. Um, so that was followed um, on the same day that we uh, we interviewed Mr. Kennedy um, by Tashan Oakley Booth, who's come in from Stoke on loan. Um, and what I found interesting when we were talking to him uh, to Mike was that it's a he's a player that he's worked with before, or not worked with before, sorry, he had his eye on for a while um, and he, he liked him a lot as a player. So, this one, I think of all of them, this one sounds uh, possibly the most positive. Um, again, we'll, we'll see as the season goes on. Um, but again, another interesting signing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously worked with um, <laughs> TJ when he played for England and the England won the Under-17 World Cup. Yep. So he's got that pedigree. Um Joe Hutchinson, who's our head uh, head analyst or stats analyst, he um, worked with the England team as well, so he knows Tashan well. As you say, Mark uh, knew Tashan from his time at Spurs and wanted to keep an eye on him. Uh, he fits the bill for what we need because we don't really, we didn't really have a midfield. But you know, if, if he plays well and Sanders plays well, and you've got Lass Sorensen to come into that, and a couple of the other young lads, you know, really is only the defensive midfielder, and that I think that that's that's vital. So. Yeah, again, it, it's easy to say, isn't it, that it mm. looks a great sign. And on paper, it does. Played 12 times in the Championship, started a couple of games there. Lots and lots of pedigree with Spurs. Interesting for me that he comes to us on loan with a year left on his contract. So if he comes to us and does well, his contract's going to be up. Now, Stoke will be due something if he were to then say, well, I'm going to sign for Lincoln City at the end of it. But it's mm. interesting the way that that deal's been structured. And you would think maybe... You know, we might have looked at it and gone, well, can we get him if they don't want him? So it's interesting. Mm. He turned down a, a low move at Burton Albion, I think, last season. So, you know, he only wanted to play for a certain stature of club, dare we say. I mean, you know, yeah. Burton are a League One club like we are, but their ground is National League, let's be honest, 5,000 capacity. Mm. Uh, and I understand that Tashan made certain personal sacrifices to come here. Now, I'm not sure quite what that entails, whether that's a wage cut, whether that's bonus cuts, payments, I don't really know. Um, but that bodes well because it shows a player wants to be here. And we've just spent, you know, a minute ago, we were just talking about a player who clearly didn't ever really, in my opinion, want to be at Lincoln who signed last season. You know, yep. I said I only want, I said in a tweet that was kind of a thinly veiled attack on another player which was unjust and unfair and I apologised for but I kind of said I only want people at this football club who want to play for Lincoln City and, and Tashan Oakley Booth clearly does. Um, he's got good pedigree so I, he's one that I look forward to perhaps of the four permanent signings he's the one that right now I'm thinking 
I'm looking forward to seeing most in the Lincolnshire. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, the the most recent uh, round of, of new arrivals was uh, wrapped up on Friday with Jay Ben arriving from Halifax Town. So interesting one again. I think this one seems like it's potentially more of a prospect. Um, uh, sort of, you know, a little bit of a project player maybe. Um comes in from uh, from Halifax, you know, twenty year old uh, right back. So you know, obviously some some cover there, uh, depending on where the likes of Regan Poole or TJ are going to play. Um, but I mean, do you think this is one where we might see maybe a few appearances off the bench and then possibly out on loan until the end of the season? Or I don't know. No, no, I don't. Um, not at the minute. I, 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 okay. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure it is alone. I, I can see my initial gut reaction was that, Ben, you, you, same thing as you. I kind of thought, well, here's a player we're bringing in that we want to send out alone. We saw it with Charlie Kendall last season. Mm-hmm. And then you listen to what Jay had to say when he first came in and you know, he's keen to come here. He's keen to play some games. I looked at some of his numbers and do you know what? I think he's 20 years old. I think he might be best served with six months and then potentially depending on whether he's got games or not, go out after that. You know, we'll mm. have the EFL trophy, so we'll, we'll have those Mickey Mouse games, Carabao Cup, there's four games. If we were to go through potentially five or six games that he could play in, um, mm. and I think that there'll be a desire, if he's rated as highly as we're hearing, there'll be a desire to get him involved. I don't think he's going to challenge our starting right-back position because we've got TJ, we've got Regan Paul, um, assuming they stay. So, yeah, I, I'm not so sure probably actually you were right in that he will get a few games on the bench and go out on loan but rather than that being at the beginning of the season it's more likely to be if we're knocked out of the cups by Christmas which you know was was was, was unusual that we were last season but we were so um, mm. have you got a cat kicking off in the background? No don't think so Any noise at all in the background? I can hear something like a child or Oh it's probably a child You've got a child in a cupboard that's no, I've, frowned I've got, upon. I've got my window open. Oh, uh, okay. Because okay. it gets warm no worries. Uh, Yeah, so so that's Jay Ben, basically. His numbers look good. I mean, he was 13th, I think, in recoveries, 13th in, in um, the pressing recoveries, uh, and 13th, I think it was 13th again, in um, defensive duels contested over per, per game, which is really impressive for a young man who had only played, started 12 games. So, yeah. Not one to impact the first team, but certainly one, I think, with a long-term future. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you mentioned there about the Cups and everything. And again, just, just dipping back to, to last week, I know Mark Kennedy was saying that he wants to kind of use that rotation in the uh, in the Cups and potentially get a bit of a run going in there. So, yeah, I think that's probably a, a decent shout, um, at least for you know the first few months of the season and see how he goes. Um, um, there was, of course, one of the capture on the day of the podcast, wasn't there as well, but not a player. Um, yeah, so a very interesting signing on the day, I should say, when we uh, when we did the recording. Uh, Mike Garrity coming in as the assistant head coach. Um, bit of a bit of a uh, a bit of a pedigree behind him, you know. I've been worked uh, with like likes of Liverpool, and the, the one that really interests me is the Chinese national team. I've got. Uh, I've got questions about his time there that probably will never be answered. But um, yeah, a, a name that I wasn't familiar with, uh, again, unsurprisingly, but 
having spoken to you on the day, it was one that I don't think anyone was was overly familiar with. But looking into uh, looking into some of his past exploits, he seems uh, like he's got a, a bit of clout about him, doesn't it? Yeah, I think um, it's his time with Blackpool that not impressed me that I found most relevant, I think. Mm. You know, he's been an assistant head coach at this level already, um, was contributed to them being promoted at our expense. Uh, interesting, you know, that we kind of swap our management team and, and then we take a member of their team. So I think Mark Kennedy came. You know, he certainly sounded like he was um, keen to work with him as well. Mm. And it he, he just it continues that um that kind of reputation that we have for coaching players and, and for attracting the right type of um staff member to the club and i yeah, i think that's vitally important there was a lot of there was many times when people would say i signed for lincoln city because of michael appleton i signed for lincoln city because of um the, you know this element of coaching and, and david kerslake who's a respected coach who'd been assistant manager to like malky mckay at cardiff came here because of michael appleton now Mike Garrity's come here because of Lincoln City. You know, he doesn't know Mark Kennedy. They haven't worked together before. He's come here because he's been sold on Lincoln City and what we're trying to do and the way that we're trying to work things. I really like that. Um, mm. and, and with his pedigree. And yeah, yeah, the Chinese national team, I'll be honest, you know, Colin Murphy managed a Vietnamese <laughs> national team. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's neither here nor there. His work with Liverpool is very, very good. Um, I like that. And when and when Mike Upton first left, and we were talking about potential coaches coming in, we were talking about the likes of Ian Foster who had worked with England under 19s. We were talking about players, um, or, or rather coaches, who had worked through the age groups. One of Mark Kennedy's big selling points was he'd worked with, you know, Luis Fiorini and and, and Jaden Sancho and the likes at Manchester City, and he's worked through the age groups at, at Ipswich and, and Wolves as well. So, you know, it, it kind of it reinforces that Lincoln City are a developing club. The one thing that I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we see fall into place is also that actually we've got one or two senior footballers on the field and it's just that central defence in the field area. Other than that, things are looking positive at the minute, but you know, hmm. we're, we're halfway. It's like we're drinking a pint and we're halfway through the pint. We've still got half a pint to go. We've still got half the summer to go and there will be signings and there will be players coming in. And, and we still need, in my opinion, there are a minimum of three positions that we still need to either fill or cover adequately. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is is one of those a strike, I guess? Yeah. Well, that leads us very nicely, doesn't it? On to the next point. Um, the Attacking midfielder, Danny Mandrew. I thought he was a striker, given some of the talk. No, he's an attacking midfielder. He, can, he, he plays, he can play centre-forward, but he predominantly... <laughs> sorry, the look oh, on your face, you look broken. Um, no, I was... I was, I was good, to be fair, like today, I've just seen, like, I've just seen the headline... Um, and then I saw the Irish press article and I was like, oh, OK. But then I had to get back to work because uh, I've got a day job. Um, yeah. But that was uh, that was all I had a chance to see. So I, I, I was under the impression that he was a striker. Um, no, he's, but, he, well, he's, he's, he's an attacking midfielder. Um, I spoke to a DM from somebody from Shamrock a little earlier on and they said, you know, he's he's a midfielder, but he's not a midfielder that's going to play six. He's a midfielder that's going to play eight or ten. So he, he right. he's an attacking midfielder. It, the classifications are hard. He's not an out-and-out striker. He's not a nine, but he has scored something like 22 goals and 57 outings for Shamrock. So he knows right, where the back okay. of the net is as well. Um, and he can play on, on the wings. He's kind of versatile. I liken him in terms of his position from what I've seen. Uh, I've likened him to a kind of a Shea McCartan, Jack Payne type player, you know, that, kind of can play behind in the 10 or the 8 role. Okay. 
Um, quite exciting because myself and um, Chris Lamming, friend of the pod, friend of mine, um, kind of identified Danny Man, and I think it's Mandrew. And if it's not, I apologise uh, until you know when he comes in or if he comes in. But we identified him as one of the Shamrock players we would like to see Stephen Bradley bring with him had Stephen Bradley got the Lincoln City job. He'd been linked with FC20, he'd been linked with Celtic, he's been the Irish Young Player of the Year, he's been on the bench for the Republic of Ireland. You know, he, he was due to play a Champions League game tomorrow or, or Thursday and instead he's apparently over in Lincoln having a medical. So 23 years old, you know, he's been over, he's played in the same team as Max Sanders, by the way, at Brighton, um, okay. the EFL Trophy, uh, scored in a 2-2 game again, uh, draw with Oxford United when he was 18 or 19 before he, he left Brighton. So, you know, he's got some experience of um, English football. It would be, it'd be one of those signings that, and I always hate this saying because it's obvious, it's going to be one of those signings that goes one or two ways. Right? <laughs> yeah. This is obvious. And I say that all the time because, you know, I, I don't think Danny Mandrew will come here and, you know, if he signs for his play 25 games, score five or six, be in and out and then move to another League One club. He either comes here like a player called David Ridings did a few years ago. He wasn't Irish. And when I say a few years ago, I mean about 30. Um, <laughs> but he signed from Halifax from the conference. He'd been Boxall Conference Player of the Year. He'd scored goals for Halifax. He signed. He looked like he was going to be the real deal. And he was shit and he flopped. He played about 10 games and that was it. Or he'll do what Jeff Hughes did or what Gareth McCauley did or what Gavin mm. White did for Oxford. He'll come here out of Ireland. He'll take a little bit of time to settle and boom, he'll go on and on. And that's this is the type of player that we could sign for a fee that's reported to be 30 grand if he comes in. The position he plays, the style of football that he plays, he could well be the sort of player that people want to pay one or two million pounds for in a year's time. And I'll make a case point and again, it's not particularly for the background, but for Josh Bowler. Josh Bowler had been at Everton. We were linked with him last summer, as were Blackpool. Blackpool went up. Blackpool signed him. People are now talking about him being worth £4 million. It can happen very, very quickly for attacking players in the right positions, if mm -hmm. he signs. No, fair enough. And Yeah, I think that's, um, well, like you say, it, it's always difficult to kind of quantify a, a transfer. Like we've already said, like, you know, you have that. It sounds exciting. Um but then, you know, again, like you said, they can fall flat on their arse. And, you know, we saw that with, with Dan and Unlu, who, interestingly, I saw had signed a new uh, new loan deal with Cheltenham again this season. So that'd be, yeah. uh, that'd be an interesting one um, to keep because in mind. He, but, be, be, because at Cheltenham, Cheltenham, he plays as part of the two. So they play yeah. two up top. Um, and he plays with Alfie Mays, the classic big man, little man. He doesn't have to, yeah. to do quite as much work. He can probably get away with running towards the ball because Alfie Mays running away from the ball, whereas when we played him as a lone striker and he ran towards the ball, he left gaps. Yeah. I think as well it didn't help that he had uh, he had an injury towards the end of the season, which kind of saw him out for, for that. But we're not a Cheltenham podcast. Um, right. So, obviously with some incomings, we've got some outgoings as well. Um you know, possibly the the two. Well, we knew one of them was happening, but the, the two in the midfield. Um, obviously, Conor McGrandles has gone, and Liam Bridcut's gone. Um, if we if we start with Conor McGrandles, because I know this this caused a lot of quote unquote discussion. Um, but uh, yeah, McGrandles leaving and then um, heading down to Charlton. And I don't think it's I don't think it's out of the realms of you know being fair for us to say that everybody does genuinely wish him the best in, in 
in the season ahead, apart from when they play us. Um, because I think, you know, he was he was a decent servant to the club um, and he, you know, he played very well. Um, had a bit of an off spell last season. Um, I don't think anyone could deny that. Uh, but ultimately, you know, did the right thing um, in terms of his contract, saw the contract out, didn't try and angle for a move like somebody else that we've already mentioned on the podcast. Um, you know, didn't try and... Enge- allegedly. Allegedly, sorry. Yes, allegedly. You know, didn't try and... Um, engineer his way out of anything, um, stuck it and stuck through it and played uh, to the end of his contract and and has moved on. And I think the thing that was surprising uh, was obviously all the talk about him wanting to go back to Scotland um, and he's gone to Charlton, which, you know, who knows the reasons, but yeah, good luck to him. Um, and he, he goes with, you know, at least the thanks for the work he did at, at Lincoln. Interesting. Uh um, yeah, I want to make a real, real distinction. I just want to make it clear that nobody knows whether Chris Maguire has angled for a move or not, and nobody knows what went on behind the scenes with Colin McGrandall. So we can't say that one player did this and another player did that because it's pure hearsay. So I'm just going to put – well, I can't say it. If Ben wants to do a podcast on pure hearsay, he can do. Um, but Gary's not prepared to. Um, but it wasn't hearsay that – I was <laughs> sorry, I can see the look on your face. It wasn't hearsay – uh, that I was told specifically by a member of staff that we were resigned, more or less resigned to losing Conor McGrandall to Scotland last summer. That's fact. That was, you know, that was with somebody who it wasn't a friend of a friend. It wasn't a friend of the physio. It wasn't a physio's mum's brother's cat's dad or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It was none of that. It was somebody at Lincoln City said, we thought we think we might lose Conor McGrandall in the summer. So we've signed this player in order to replace him someone with a similar engine, somebody who incidentally will be part of the squad this coming season. So, and I think that the radio, radio Lincolnshire kind of reported something similar as the contract ran down. Then in the summer when it was Hibs and Hearts or somebody came, was allegedly coming in for him in the winter window, you know, it, the rhetoric built from that. Connor never said he was going back to Scotland to be fair to him. He said he wanted to pursue other challenges. Fair mm. enough. I understand that. What's bitter I think for me, first of all, I I kind of bought into the Scotland thing a little bit. I also feel bitter when a player wants to look into other challenges and goes to a team in the same division. In the same league, yeah. And and what I probably forgot on the night, it was an emotional reaction, is that Charlton are a bigger club than us, Mm. a much bigger club than us. They've got a bigger ground, they've got better history, they can pay more wages, they're slap bang in the middle of London, they've been in the Premier League. Charlton are like Sunderland, like Ipswich, Mm. like Portsmouth. They are a bigger club, like Sheffield Wednesday, like Derby. They're one of the teams that really we're you know, we're not lucky to be playing because we're in the same division as them. But they're one of the teams that twenty years ago, when you were playing in the band and I was dancing around in the poacher outfit, you know, mm. we would never we would only have played Charlton in the cup. Otherwise, it was always going to be Cheltenham or Carlisle or Chester. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, if you're a player and you have no affinity whatsoever to Lincoln City, not other than the fact they paid your wages. You know, fair play, I suppose. He doesn't owe yeah. us anything. He came for free, no. left free. Um, I do think he had two bad spells. I think he struggled to get involved for the first six months of his spell. Mm-hmm. If you remember, Liam Bridgecott, James Jones, George Grant were the midfield. Connor was the fourth man. Fought his way into the team. Did very, very well in the running at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. By last season, I mean the playoff season. Yeah. One of the few players who, while we were playing badly, was playing very well. But then last season, when we were playing badly, he wasn't able to have the same impact in the first half of the season. Yeah. I thought he was poor, I'll be honest. 
Um, and then in the, the second half of the season, he was better, but he never hit the, the heights for me of, of kind of January to May 2021. But he always mm. did. He always put, put his all in. Um, I don't think he was, and I can't quote now, I don't think he had a nasty streak. Um, no, no, the quote that, the quote that was used um, as the headline was, he's got a temper on him, yeah. which uh, was used in the context of, um, you know... He's got a temper on him. He's yeah. What ben, he's what Ben Ward from the Stacey West podcast said. I mean, I didn't see him have a temper on him as such obviously well i think the, the way where that came from was like you know you look at for example the end of the sunderland game like you know the way that he squared up to people and the way that he was one of the first people on the scene when something contra- uh, controversial kicked off like that was that was where that came from um i'm not saying that he's flying into tackles you know with his studs up or anything like that but that was where it came from, and uh, that's the headline. That they when he keeps a lid on with. it, when when he, when he keeps when he keeps a lid on it, it's a great attribute. But who woe betide it when he doesn't keep <laughs> a lid on it, which I don't think we ever saw. But um, anyway, so he's got a temper on him. Yeah, yeah look, he'll do well at Charlton. All joking aside, he works hard. He battles mm-hmm. hard. He's a box to box midfielder. I don't think he's a six. I don't think he can hold the midfield on his own. Um, and actually, probably with Tashan coming in and us wanting to push Max Sanders a little bit, you know, we all. I thought Max Sanders was the spiritual successor to Liam Bridcott. Mm-hmm. I actually think he's probably more of a, a kind of a Conor McGrandall's playing in the eight role. And let's not forget Ted Bishop as well. So, um, yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's that. But of course, that brings us nicely to another player that's left us. Yeah, and um, I, I think it was it was the other one where the conversations were ongoing with the club. Um, Liam Bridcott's left Lincoln City. Um Probably not as much of a surprise. Um, I, I think it, it, playing days, I'd, I would be very surprised if he uh, if, if he features um, for a huge amount of games for a new club. Um, whether this is the point at which he moves into coaching or not, I don't know. Um, but again, I, I, I was a little bit gutted when he went because you know when he did play, uh, we looked a better side. This is as simple as that, in my opinion. Um, it, it, playing below his level, arguably. Uh, with us, I think he, he could potentially still slot into a championship side if he can keep himself fit, which you know that seemed to be the problem. Um, and yeah, I personally I would have liked to have seen him stick around the club in some form, but uh, obviously, you know, wages and uh, and other ambitions possibly um, saw put to that. So yeah, uh, gutted but not surprised. I think was the underlying emotion on that one. I agree with you for a large part of that. I think um, I was convinced he'd stay right up until Michael Appleton left and I was convinced mm-hmm. he'd leave 14 starts or whatever it was last season is not enough. And, yeah. and that's, you know, it's as simple as that. It's not enough. Um, I disagree. I don't think he can play in the championship now. I think that in terms of fitness and pace, mm. um, it's probably just a step too far. I think that he wants to continue his playing career. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't rock up somewhere like Derby County. People uh, are saying, saying Blackpool. People, yeah. I think it's been rumoured that he's been training with Derby, isn't it? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't doesn't rock up there, probably trying to work, uh, you know, because I, I think he'll want to stay relatively local. I think that was one of the attractions of moving to us, that he was still based here from playing for Forest. So, um, and yeah, obviously, look, Liam Bridcott fit for 30 games a season, mm-hmm. like you'd have all day long. 20 games a season, not enough. You know, you've got 
but you've got to sit somewhere in there. And the fact we never had an adequate replacement for him. We did in the first year, George Grant, but then if you look at the amount when we went through the tough period, it was when Liam Bridcup was injured, and when he came back, we improved. And that's why mm-hmm. I'm convinced that you know, it's, it's a vital position to play. So, yeah, yeah, I don't want to dwell too much. Liam, I think, was a great servant to the club, just like Conor McGrandles was, but new manager, new ethos, new set of players, and, and unfortunately, Conor... Liam Bridcut and, of course, Cohen Brammel are part of the old guard that have gone. Yeah, and, um, I mean, Cohen Brammel, um, we'll touch on it, rather than meeting his release clause, um, he's gone there, which, again, it's another player that's gone from us to the championship um, for a fee. It's, it's you know, I don't want to use the words, but it's the model. It's it's what's going to happen. Um, I think I can see you cringing. Um it is what's going to happen. Like, you know, we're going to sign it players. Is, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. You know, yeah. we're going to sign players for, I don't know what we signed uh, Cohen for, but, you know, I think nominal fee was potentially thrown around from from a struggling Colchester. Um, he's then gone on, he's done well. Um, he's looked, I mean, let's be honest, his, his key attribute is his pace. Um, he's looked absolutely lightning quick and Rotherham obviously seen that and, and want to see if they can take his career further. So, um Allegedly, it's around two hundred grand. Which, if that is if that is the case, it's a great bit of business, you know. If, and people that want to moan about the club being run like a business, you can't sign players for money unless you sell players for money. And you know, selling somebody that had a year left on his contract for two hundred grand, I don't see as a, a bad thing at all, really. Not when I think probably on this podcast we were talking about him potentially leaving in the winter window. Yeah, you know for a small fee to League League Two. I think it's great business by the club. I Cohen I understood Cohen's pace. I think the club always felt there was a player in there if they could get more out of him. But this is just a case of of stocks and shares, buy low, sell high kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a release clause in there for a reason. Now whether that was negotiated by Cohen when he signed for us, whether that was what we felt was a, a fair return on our investment, I don't know. Um yeah I like Cohen as a person. I don't see him as a key part of a top 10 League One club. I don't see us being a top 10 League One club, but I don't see him being a key part of that. And you, you, know, you need to be signing players that you can see being a part of that. And that's, that's meant with the greatest respect. Mm. Um, for me, this move is less Harry Toffolo and more Paul Mayo. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when Harry Toff, when Toff left, you know, you knew he, um, don't cry, I can see it. Um, you knew he was championship ready. You knew he was going to kick on. You knew he had all the attributes. When Paul Mayo left for Watford, it came like what? Well, you know, mm. that, that, that's a generated football manager transfer. And there's no disrespect, <laughs> Paul Mayo. But it was, you know, <clears throat> at the time, I didn't think Paul Mayo was going to go on and play in the second tier. And then and they came in and bought him. And you're like, whoa, where's that come from? Mm. And it was a little bit like that with Cohen. Um, you know, there would, I would have been more upset if we'd sold. Jamie Robson, mm. personally. But who knows? Cohen might go to Rotherham and smash it because they play a 3 5 2. So he's going to have slightly less defensive duties. He's going to have to track back, but he's quick enough to do that. Um, yeah. Cohen's best football was played when Liam Bridcut was playing in the holding midfield and when Joe Walsh was playing left defensive, uh, left side centre half yeah. because he was constantly kind of not shadowed, but he was given the right, you know, he's given he's the got a bit of a safety net, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and remember, in reality, Cohen was never our first-choice left-back. 
He mm. was signed when we had Teo Eden, and, and when Teo Eden moved, we signed Jamie Robson, and it was Jamie Robson's fitness and ability to adapt to the English game that, that gave Cohen football, not his ability. And towards the end of the season, Jamie Robson came back in, albeit mm. through Cohen's injury. But, um, yeah, best of luck to him, that's what I say. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, while we're sort of on the subject of, of money coming in or transfers and all the rest of it, obviously the the I, I did find the the moment last week when you you said to Jess, "Is there a uh, is there a future interest in George Grant?" And he just flatly just went, "Yes." I Do you know what? That was brilliant. Do you know what? I had I had asked Liam beforehand because I thought I don't want to say that if there isn't. I don't want to ask the question if there isn't a few a sell on clause because you know in in that kind of context I didn't want to kind of put Jez massively on the spot but at the same time I wanted it to be known by the club known kind of officially if there was a sell-on clause or not so I asked Liam and he said yes there was and he told me a little story kind of about it as well and I thought oh that's quite nice that's quite good I'll ask Jez and and you know we might get and he was just like yes and there we go so there was a sell-on there was a sell-on clause for George Grant so that's good news yeah um, and it is good it is good news and hopefully there's one for Harry Toffolo as well yeah, I was going to say, obviously, you know, the, the interest at the minute of, of uh, I think it's Forrest for Toff is uh, rumoured to be in the region about two and a half million, I think, something like that. So uh, yeah. it'd be a, hopefully a nice chunk of change for Lincoln. So um, that's more or less it. We were going to talk, do you want to talk about the new kit still? We're still, we're just ticking over an hour. Yeah, can do. Yeah, yeah, go on then quickly. Why I like not? it. Do you like I it? I like it. I think it's really nice. <laughs> Um, pleased because I was part of the team that designed it. Good. And then I forgot what designs we'd okayed and we'd be Adam <laughs> when he came out. I saw the back of it and, and Pete messaged me and said, since when have you not been red and white stripes? And I'm like, what? I think I might have missed the memo. And then it came out and it's like, that's red and white stripes. He goes, there's black on it. Ah, pedantic <laughs> bastard. Um, in my mind, my favourite Lincoln City kit of all time is 93, 94 because it had the black going up as well. The David Johnson, Steve Marden bracket. I liked that. Not so much the way it fit, the colour and that sort of thing, but just I like the black on the red. I can't, I, I like that detail. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm someone that always, when he does text on anything, I always like to have the outline of the text, you know, and kind of fluff it up. I think it looks better. Um, so, yeah, I like it. I did go into the club shop on Saturday uh morning to buy it but i was buying running shoes instead and couldn't justify paying 50 odd quid for the shirt so i'll wait for christmas and let dad buy me it <laughs> yeah i ordered it on the uh, on the day of release and it didn't come till a week and a half later which was uh i know it was on, good of, on twitter good of the website um but yeah you know, uh, no, I, I do really like it the only thing i don't like about it is the same thing that i think a few people said last season is the iron on badge i think it's yeah. it just seems a bit uh, I don't know. Um, obviously, you know, Liam mentioned about the, the cost of uh, of sports jerseys in America um, and the fact that they're, they're much cheaper over here. I, I think it was an embroidered badge would be a very nice touch, uh, especially considering that Area have got the, the embroidered badge on the other side. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know. There's, there's also a training kit... It's yes. black and red, and it's the one that's kind of got the, the, the map of Lincoln on it. Yeah. I don't think they've ever actually trained in it. I think it's just like apparel. Yeah. The badge is printed on that. It's part of the fabric. So it's mm. not embroidered. It's not iron-on. It's part of the fabric. I'm not against that, personally. It might, I mean, I, I, like, I like the fact that the black badge 
is on the red. I, yep. I like the contrast of that. Um, yep. But I, I, yeah, I'm not a fan. I mean, it's not a fan of any iron on the kind of sponsor or anything. No. Um, but it is what it is. And, and people say, you know, oh, why can't we buy the shirt without the sponsor? Well, it's not an option a lot of the time, is it? Ask, ask the sponsor why not. They don't put six-figure yeah. sums into a football club for people to go i don't want branston on the front of my shirt and do you know what i actually i like last season's shirt but for me sponsors part of the shirt yeah. i didn't like the fact we swapped sponsor every time it never felt like we had a set it felt like a different shirt whenever we had a new sponsor on it and i understand you know it wasn't a choice covid etc etc i understand why it happened yeah, yeah. but for me you know a football shirt has a sponsor on it and I've got no problem with colours. The last one where I think the sponsor was just black and, and the sh on the shirt was Ensuk. And that was the one yeah, that had that the was word the... tosser on the front of it. As it said, <laughs> asbestos, services. Asbestos is TOS and services is SER. So, <laughs> you know. That was the quick save bag one, wasn't it? Oh, it was awful. What an awful shirt. I, you know, I didn't buy that shirt. I've got it because I'd sponsored... Did I sponsor Danny Rowe for the second half of that season? Um, well, there's, there's Stacey West sponsored Danny Rowe for the second half of the season, so I got his signed match-worn shirt, but I, I refuse to buy it. I think that is the worst shirt Lincoln City have ever played in. Uh, we, we've had the I conversation before. Title in it. We've had the conversation before, but I, I still think it's the paint, the, the, the spray paint half-full one. Yeah, yeah, no, that's rancid as well. It's horrible we have a, shirt. We have, a, we have a good record with shirts. I can't remember what we picked for uh the away kit but i do remember thinking that's a banger and i'm gonna buy it okay 100 percent. i remember looking at the away kit now of course the sponsor again because we didn't have the sponsor when we did the kit design so that might make it you know if the sponsor just says tosser in big letters across the front <laughs> um, you know we'll buy jake one but um <laughs> that's a bit harsh it is harsh, isn't it? It is harsh. I don't, oh, it, it's the way that he said, are we, you know, because uh, we could say, he, obviously, there's a lot of talk of Danny Mandarin. We might sign him. It's just the way he's like, are we going to hold off and not do one tonight and wait for the signing? And he's like, no. And then, oh, I can't do it anyway. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sly bugger. Given that we love you, really, bugger. Jake. Yeah. But, um, no, I think um, it's probably a, a good spot to wrap up. Um, and, and I, I wonder when the I'd, I'd be very interested to know when the away shirts getting revealed and released because uh, I've uh, yeah I'm always interested in in the away shirts and I really like last year's um, the, the third shirt so I don't know if we're going to be doing third shirt again this season I would imagine we probably will almost I would say so yeah I would say so do you know what I actually I went into the, I was going to buy a training kit I wanted to buy something to running so I bought as I say I bought the trainers. I've got all the gear, mate, right? I've got the trainers. I've got a little thing that goes on my arm with the phone in it. My phone's mm. too big to go in it. So whenever I go for a run, I have to take the SIM card out of my big phone, put it in my old little phone, <laughs> and then have my old little phone in there. Look, and that's true. I'll, I'll show you. I've got my old little phone here with the key. Oh, there's, there's the little key. And there's my old <laughs> small phone. And uh, people, this is great. This is great. Small stuff, in inverted commas. Where is it? There's my phone. And it, you can't see that because one's closer together. You know, it's like they're far away. They're really small. <laughs> um, I've got a bottle that I hold. I've got the new trainers. I bought socks. I thought I'm going to buy a pair of shorts because I've got a pair of Lincoln City shorts, grey ones from last season that you zip up. And I sat on the bench 
bench. You know the big bench in our garden that I made myself and painted black, and it's crap. And whenever it gets warm, the paint kind of the sap makes the paint wet again. And I got paint on these shorts. They wanted thirty odd quid for a pair of training shorts in the club shop. Thirty odd quid. Not for or me, 20, thanks. Twenty five, twenty six quid. You're halfway to a bloody shirt. Yeah. And I really like that training kit, the blue training kit, but I'll just I'll wait until next season at this time and see if they've got any on sell off. It'll be on sale by Christmas. Yeah. They do they, do you know what? The range in the club shop is really good. Yeah. But I do always look through I've never still got quite a few home shirts. I almost thought like I should buy a home shirt. I thought, why? Because I've already got one just because it's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh I paid for five need- quid for mine. <laughs> I, I nearly bought a second one because the badge was starting to peel on my main one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I could get a new one and it'd be brilliant. And there's no pulls on it. You know, there's no where I've nicked it with something and there's no bobbles on it. I was like, no, what are you doing? Like, it's the new season. We, we should have both bought one and got the Stacey West podcast logo printed on the front of it. <laughs> that's what we should have oh, done. Yeah, that's a plan. That is. I'll, I'll see if there's any in the club shop. In the week. Yeah, if you go in, if you go in in the week, right, and there's... I am now not triple XL. I think I'm only double XL in the club in the shirt. Oh, now. So if there's you. any double XL, um, buy one and we'll we'll have it printed on, and then we'll because then people will just go, "Oh, you sponsored the team?" It's, yeah, yeah, we did for free. That's a so, plan. That is. Yeah, that is a plan. That is. I'm all up for that. So, right. Well, apart from discussing our plans for, for misleading fans in the future, uh, is there anything else that we need to talk about? No, I can smell my meatballs cooking. That's not a euphemism either. I was going to say, is your room a bit warm? No, it is a bit warm. I'm sat right in the window here. I mean, my camera is so low quality, you can't tell. Uh, I can tell there's um, like a a light blur on one side and then a slightly darker blur on the other side. (laughs) Oh, no, it's just white. That's the blind. (laughs) Yeah, that's the blind coming in. So, So, But no, uh, we shall be back. Hopefully we can record next week. Um, we'll give Jake his moment, but yeah, you know, we, we'll see. It might be two weeks. I mean, I'm going to try and lay on another player maybe yeah. for next week, which will be a two-man job. Yeah, we'll see. I was going to say thank you as well. For, you know, I don't think we've we've had a, a real opportunity to do it since. But thank you to Mark Home for for sharing his time with us uh, with me and Jake. That was uh, I enjoyed that chat, and I think Jake did as well, despite him not necessarily being uh, uh, a fan in Mark Home's era, shall we say. Honestly, shout. I haven't had a chance to listen yet. No, no, I I just haven't. I've been absolutely flat out. Um, And obviously, listen to it on your run. No, I've got to listen to a specific playlist on my run. Um, It's specific. There's there's about 35 songs on it, and it's predominantly, I mean, Slipknot, Wait and Bleed is on there. Beautiful People, Marilyn Manson. There's some Guns N' Roses. There's a lot of ferocious dog because they've just got the right. Does it keep you, you keeps in your cake so you're running? Tempo, yeah. Because the yeah. ferocious dog's like levelers, so it's a bit Irish kind of with a fiddle, but there's a proper fast drum bit. Du, 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 du. So, yeah. Um, and thanks one to for the playlist. Well. Yeah, Just before we go, one Gordon. for the playlist that you need to add. Uh, thanks for Memories by Fallout Boy. That is I'm not a perfect running song. I'm not putting Fallout Boy. Why not? Because I'm not an emo. Might be. You just don't know I'm it not. yet. I'm not emo. <laughs> Fallout Boy playing with, with Green Day was sacrilege. That that would be like watching The Godfather and then watching Naked Gun halfway through. Um, just what's wrong with the Naked Gun? 
Well, it's not the same level as The Godfather. It's different, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. Green Day and Weezer, I can buy that. Like, 90s kind of pop-punk rock icons coming through. But then when, when I saw Fallout Boy as well, is that, I'll tell you what it reminded me of, that scene in Friends. Did you, did you ever watch Friends? Yes. Where Rachel made the pudding, and she's going, you've got a layer of custard, and there's a layer of jelly, and then there's a layer of whipped cream, and then there's the minced beef and onions. And, and I'm like, that's what Fallout Boy, Fallout Boy with the minced <laughs> beef and onions in the dessert of the Hell Omega tour. What Hell Omega should have done is instead of Fallout Boy, they should have had Offspring on there, or they should yeah, have had Rancid on there, or they should have had Blink-182 on there, or Sum 41. Tell you what, if they had the Offspring there, I probably would have spontaneously combusted because they were my band growing up. Did you go and see them in Hull? No. They played in Hull on November. My birthday was November the 19th. No, no I didn't. Because I, I, whenever they come to the UK previously, they do like three dates. They go, oh, we're coming to the UK. We're doing London, we're doing Manchester, and we're doing Glasgow. And that's it. That's yeah. the whole of the UK. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, I've got a couple enough. of gigs. I've, I've got Ferocious Dog and the Rum Jacks coming up. Lars Fredrickson's playing the Rock City. Uh, not Rock City, the okay. Rescue Rooms, which I might go and do that as well. So, But I'll play all of these for you at the party in two weeks' time. Good stuff. So, right, we should wrap up anyway because the dog's I was going to say, we're, we're ranting about Pop yeah, Punk, we so are. we must have hit we must have hit yeah. the end game on the podcast. Um, so like Dad says, hopefully we'll see you next week. If not, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Oh, just one thing. Ooh. Are we going to leave somebody up for corners? Oh, sorry, wait a minute. Am I kid? Are we going to leave someone up for corners? <laughs> Man, Cheers, Chris, man, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Man for it. <laughs> All right, up the see you in a couple of weeks. Up the imps. It's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.